You are listening to episode 60 of the Sunday Shakeout with the coach of the Seattle Pep Cross Country and Track Team, Coach Andrew Walker. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Sunday Shakeout. I'm your host, Nicholas, and today is the most exciting episode of the pod to date, an interview with my cross-country coach, Coach Walker. In this episode, we discuss how his training has been going recently, Coach's unique journey into the sport of running and eventually into high school coaching, his thoughts on, you know, the difference between coaching a high school team and coaching professionally and how there's a quite a gap there and how... He's not just trying to instill good performances in his athletes, but he is trying to instill lifelong lessons, how coaches athletes peak late in the season, and then a discussion on back-to-back state titles and so much more. If you are new to the Sunday Shakeout, let me give you a quick rundown. This show is your go-to source for in-depth training analysis, valuable training tips, unbiased and reliable physiology and science and so much more whether you are a beginner in the sport in a high school or an experienced marathoner aiming for a new pr the sunday shakeout provides you with the information you need to run faster stay injury free and most importantly stay happy on your running journey coach walker seems to have some extremely insightful ideas that not only apply to running and getting better in the sport but also bettering oneself in life in general and he seems to have his craft as a high school cross country and distance coach nailed to a T. So, without further delay, please enjoy my conversation with the man, the myth, the legend, Coach Walker. Welcome to the pod, and thanks for coming on, Coach. And uh, I think we should start with the question, you know, just how's your training been going recently, you know, for yourself? Have you been having, like, any injuries, or is there specific something specific you're training for? Just talk about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Nico. It's great, great to be on the podcast. My first podcast, actually. So I'm excited to be here, man. Um, yeah, training, training is okay. Um, I am uh, uh, my my big competitive outlet these days is coaching. So I uh, I I get a tempo in here and then. I probably if I'm if I'm rolling, I probably hit 40, 45 a week. Uh, but I just uh, I've gotten. Uh, uh, an Achilles issue right now. So it's bumming me out. But um, the one thing I still do train for is I have a, uh, I have a streak of, uh, I think it's 17 years now of running a sub five mile in every calendar year. So I did the first time when I was a junior in high school and like, Oh, wow. Uh, it was like 2007. And so I just ran, you can do the math. Right? Hey. So I think it's 17 years. Anyway, so I, I did that. I didn't have 2023. So I did that on like, probably like a couple days before Christmas. And it was great. I actually, I ran, I ran 451 and, and like cruised was like no, nowhere near, like not going to do it. And the only problem is when you're old, like me, uh, things start to break. So my Achilles has been kind of, <laughs> kind of sore since then, but. That's cool. Yeah. That's really yeah. nice. When you brought that up, I thought of like Nick Willis, how he ran like a sub four mile for like. That's a more impressive streak. Yeah. I just <laughs> do what I can. <laughs> yeah. But I think that, uh, that's a big testament to like, consistency and you talked about your junior year of high school um and speaking of like high school and your beginnings in the sport how did you get started in the sport of running like what were your motivations and just your overall your start to where you are today 
Sure, sure. Yeah, it's it's a good question. It's it's funny. I did I did like CYO like once or twice through the years. I remember doing it in eighth grade and was like not good at all. Like I was like probably like like 50th place or so, like buried. Uh and I no no uh uh it, it, if if you're doing your best and get 50th, awesome for you. But I I feel like I just never trained. It wasn't wasn't my yeah. thing. I didn't enjoy it. Um and I think uh, I, I went to a bunch of summer practices that my, my coach, John Robertson, when I was at prep, um, did and really enjoyed them. Uh, and then I, it's inexplicable, but I just didn't do cross country. Like I, I like I, all my <laughs> friends were the guys I met at the, at the like summer practices, they all did it. And I just like played rec soccer in the fall and then I didn't do, and then I played like Seattle prep C team soccer in the spring. We were really bad. Um, uh, and it was like kind of fun, but it's like, man, like looking back, it's like, it doesn't make any sense that I didn't run as a freshman. And then, and then kind of realized it. Like, so I went to all the summer practices going in sophomore year. And then all of a sudden I was like out as a sophomore, actually running it pretty good, uh, or, or good, good for a guy who had not done it freshman year. Anyway. So, uh, yeah, just, uh, I, what I, I'll give all the credit to doc, uh, our coach back then, doc, doc Robertson. Uh, just ran a great program, got guys excited about it, and uh, just took one extra year for me. <laughs> yeah, that's very interesting. It's like it wasn't like something that was like very uh, – like you weren't a runner from birth, and it wasn't something that like you were super like passionate about at the beginning. Like obviously you probably love the summer practices, but it wasn't something that you you like just naturally just like clings to. So I find that very interesting that you're here today. So, you know, you started sophomore year of high school, you ran at Gonzaga, right? That's right. Yeah. And so how did you become inspired to become a coach after like, what was your path that you, when you were in college, what did you think of you were going to be doing once you graduated? Yeah, great question. I think I, I went to college without really any idea of what I wanted to, to do for a career. Um, and uh, I'll so I, I give I just gave credit to Doc, who was an awesome coach. I was very fortunate. He he is a uh, uh, Washington Hall of Fame coach. Uh, the other incredible coach I had was Coach Tyson at, at Gonzaga, um, and he had been at Mead High School forever. Had coached like some of the best teams in Washington State history, and like one of those teams was like like a I think finished the season like number one ranked in the country. Like like oh wow, some of the best high school teams like ever. Um, incredible coach and. Uh, I just like was kind of in that, you know, 18, 19 year old trying to figure out what I want to do. And I'm like, Hey, this running thing is really cool. Like the two coaches I've had have made it really special for me. Like, I just want to do this. This is great. And like, yeah. I looked at Tyson. He's like, what did he do right out of college? He trained and was a high school coach and you just, you just don't have to stop your eligibility runs out, but you just get to, you just get to keep doing it. Right. And I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And I was like, okay, teaching seems like a thing that I could get into. So like, yeah, I think it was like midway through my sophomore year, I switched my major to, um, to teaching and ended up getting my master's so I could, so I could be a teacher and, uh, and then started coaching right after, like literally while I was still getting my teaching degree. So, yeah. That's all pretty cool. It's amazing how like life just takes you down these like different avenues. You don't really know where you're going to go until you're just kind of there. Um, that's really cool. That's, that's all very fascinating. So now, Let's move on to like your coaching itself, because I know high school is like different, like because if you're a seasoned adult marathoner, it's 
I mean, the training is not like super different, but in terms of like the sport itself, it's a lot different than high school cross country. So what are your, some of your key philosophies, your values and your beliefs that shape high school cross country coaching? Cause it's very unique. Yeah, totally. It, it, you're, you're nail on the head, man. It's like, you could be a really good professional coach and not be very good at high school coaching. And I will say I would not be a very good professional coach. And I think <laughs> I'm a pretty good high school, right? It's, it's so different, right? Um, so you hit the nail on the head. It's uh, the, the biggest thing, like I see myself as an educator, you know, I'm a teacher, but, but like educator in the sense that uh, what I do for young people goes way beyond uh, or my goal is to do something way beyond athletic success. Like, of course we want to win. Of course we want to make you the best you can possibly be. And of course I want my guys to do all the little things and hit their splits and get their sleep and all that stuff. But like what I hope, uh, that I give you guys and all the guys in the program is what I had, which was two incredible communities in high school and college. Like the closest friends I have, um, were my teammates at prep and at, um, Gonzaga. Uh, it, and that's just, it was, it was such a, and like, like you, like you just said, like, it's like a, you never know where life's going to take you. The reason my life took this kind of weird U-turn in, into high school cross country coaching is because uh, like the most transformative, like experiences I had were, were training and racing with my buddies uh, and, and uh, having coaches believe in me who, who could, that I could do these crazy things that I never would have thought possible. Um, it, it's just so special, right? It's, it's more than any, like, yes, we won the state title last couple of years. That was very cool. But the, the cooler stuff is like that you get to ride the bus with your buddies and, and hang yeah. out and just have those, those memories, right? Those are going to last forever. So uh, I think that's the number one thing that I see my role is, is like, I want to give just, just a life-changing experience to kids and if you if you graduate senior year from the program you don't run another step in your life uh that's okay and i hope that you you're, you're going to take something that's going to make you a better person a better a better person in the workplace a better a better uh uh family member a better son a better dad someday right all that stuff so i think that's the biggest thing that i i think goes way beyond um what we do competitively i mean if you want to if you want to talk about like the actual competitive side, uh, philosophy wise, uh, I think that, uh, high school is unique because you, you, if you're, if you're a professional coach, you're chasing the last 0.5% in performance yeah. in every possible way. You look at, you look at, uh, all of these guys doing their, their double threshold days and they're sticking their fingers with the, with the like, uh, lactate uh thing. Like, yeah. Right. The, the blood lactate measurement. And I'm like that at a certain point, if you're year in the goose or whoever, you, you got to do that. Right. Like if you're, if you're, if point one second can determine whether you get the gold or the bra, like that's a big deal. Right. Like, um, in high school, you have to worry about that stuff, uh, which is, and not that we shouldn't be detail oriented. I think it is important to be detail oriented, but I just, you get to, your primary job is to just get kids fired up. And I think if you take, if you take a kid who's mega confident and has mostly done all the right stuff and a kid who has like, like nitpicked their training and checked every little box, but it's like a little less confident, I think the confident kid wins every time. Right. And, and that's to like, so like, I try to think about that when I'm like putting workouts together and, and deciding what you guys are going to do. Right. I, some, and I, and I like the like 
the theory. I like the science behind it. I'm not going down to the level of like what the mitochondria are doing or whatever, but, <laughs> but I, but with my limited science knowledge, I like to know what physiological adaptations we're doing, but sometimes I take a step back and I'm like, you know what? Like, I don't, I can't explain why we're going to do this workout today, but man, is it going to get us fired up? And that's why we're going to do it. Right. So there's, so I think that's my sort of competitive philosophy. I think, uh, uh, the, the detailed matter, but what matters more is, is getting guys fired up, making them confident and just letting them, let them go run. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you said earlier about how like the connection between like running and just like life in general, how much of an impact like the sport can have on you being a better person. I think that's really key. I think that's often overlooked. People look yeah. at the training log and they're like, oh, I didn't hit my mileage or, oh, this came up, this came up. But, you know, did you grow as a person? Like at the end of the training cycle, not only did you get better, but did you become a better person? Have you learned something to, that you can apply to your regular life? So I think that's that's really key. And I also liked, liked how you talked about um, just how there's a gap between science and actual like real world. And that is def something you could definitely apply to the team. Uh, now, you know, you talked about like training principles and physiology. Now I've heard you bring up many times how your guys, you know, we always peak late in the season. Like you, I think you said it like a long run a couple of weeks ago that we've like never run good at an invite in your history at prep. Um, I've seen that, I guess. Um, so how, I guess, like, what are those, how do you get the guys to peak such late in the season? Because I'm sure it's a lot of it is mental, but like, it seems like from what I've heard, like every single year, like you seem to be able to like, perform at the right time. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I think you do. Uh, Nick, I think you're exactly right that uh, more than, I don't want to put a number on, but more than half of it is the belief that you're going to run your best at the end of the season. And you're just trusting that the, the, the training decision will get you ready at the right time. Um, I would say uh, the trend so it, it's funny when I, I, I even noticed, I, I didn't, I wasn't huge into like knowing, like when I would, when I was actually like running, like what all the ideas were that were out there that coaches had, I wasn't like surfing let's run for all that stuff, <laughs> but I had a general sense of like what you needed to do to run fast. And in, in the mid two thousands, when I was like coming up as a runner, um, uh, people were running a lot of like, like, yeah, they would tempo a little bit, but, but it was a lot of year two max stuff, like 5K, two-mile race pace stuff, mm, which is yes. a very important intensity to work out at. Um, and the trend amongst the coaches I talk to, the stuff I read, uh, is that uh, that stuff's important to do, but but the, the earlier and the more of that stuff you do, the, the more that kind of triggers a, a plateauing, a kind of peak. Um, and I don't, I'm sure there's a lot of people that can explain the physiology of that, but my, my idea basically is that what the, the training intensity that does not, uh, level off is anything aerobic, right? So you could, you can train your aerobic system from now until you're, um, 80 years old and it will continue to improve. Now, when you're 80 years old, your muscles aren't, aren't really letting you run, you yeah. know, 550 pace or whatever anymore, but. But the, the, literally, if you were able to work your heart, your lungs, and, and the delivery of oxygen, it would literally like still improve. Is my understanding? Maybe that's not true, but who knows, right? But but in terms of like 
Uh, so, so if you're developing aerobic capacity, the, the, the most intense, strictly aerobic workout you can do is like lactic threshold. Right? Yeah, threshold. So that, that becomes like, uh, the more I've grown as a coach, the more I've been like, okay, we're going to double down on, on for what we would call a general preparation period, like the summer, uh, going even through like September, you hold off doing the race pace stuff till very late in the season. Um, and you, you just get as strong as you can aerobically. And we do some turnover stuff, right? Some hills and some 200s. Yeah. Yeah. Mile pace type stuff, 800 pace type stuff. Right. Um, but, but you kind of come at it from both sides. Uh, and then when you, when you meet in the middle, you do a bunch of 5k pace and that gets you ready to run a good 5k. And I, I, it's, it's interesting. Um, uh, so, so physiologically, I think that prepares us really well to run well at the end of the year. I think, I would say, especially this year, some, some of the notes I wrote to myself, we, we kind of, I think, went a little too far in that direction. I think we would have benefited from some VO2 race pace type stuff before we went to Bob Thurman. I think we would have run better. Um, and I, it, it's funny, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't think we've never run well at an invite, but we've, we've compared to how we run at the end of the year. We have like every year I've coached, we've kind of come on. And I don't, I don't think it's always related to uh, uh, when we decide to do VO2 versus tempo, but I think I, I'm definitely like more on the side, let's get strong before we, before we run some uh, race pace stuff. Yeah, yeah, I've heard a lot about that. I think the um, the experts call it like capacity training or something like that, right. where like you're just trying to like build your aerobic system like that long term fitness. And it's funny, like yeah, like you mentioned, you didn't we didn't do too much like VO two stuff in, early in the season. And I guess I kind of noticed that because I like looked at like one of the first like couple weeks of training, um, like official practice, and I didn't really see any like you know, race pace intervals. It was a lot of threshold, um, you know, turnover stuff. And I'm like, well, wow, that's very interesting. So uh, yeah, I could definitely see how you, that's like your big approach. Now, um, late in the season, obviously we had quite the bang. I mean, back to back state titles. That's actually like really, that's just monumental. Like if you think about it like that, there's gotta be like a short list of people in WIAA who have like done that. So, you know, how what were some lessons that you learned this season because we talked about how you know Furman maybe you guys could have you know you maybe could have changed the training a little bit but overall like how what were some lessons that you learned throughout the season how did you navigate the season to come out to where you were today or where we are today their stuff as it comes to me during the season um, and, and i think I, I was looking back at that um my biggest thing that i that i wish we had done um is uh given us a couple of chances to go out uh with this this the best team i've ever coached at this point uh and go to a not, not a small invite but like a moderate invite like in in washington just and just win uh by uh by just getting our guys to the front where they could very yeah. easily do that and and just go go win uh uh and and there there are some pretty good invites in washington that this team would have would have you know we, we would have had people push us but we would have had like not a whole lot of trouble uh uh winning and i think 
instead we picked out probably probably about the hardest meat we could have in Furman. And, and yeah. I, I think there's a lot of reasons we didn't run well that day. There were, you know, we talked about maybe one of them that that we weren't quite ready with with physiologically with some race pace stuff. But you know, we we're racing the number one team in the country, right? Uh, yeah. and, and all those Utah schools, all those Idaho schools. So it's like uh, we we uh. uh I, when I made the schedule, kind of, kind of seeked out the one place we could have gotten our butt kicked, and we did. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I mean, it, that's a, that's a, a thing. Like I, I didn't, you know, and then, and then we went to hole in the wall, the other one meet around that that we would not, you know, be in the hunt for when, when Jesuit and Coraline show up like that. So yeah, I don't know. I think there's, um, I, I, I don't necessarily think I would change anything, but like going forward. Um, you look at you look at what Coeur d'Alene did, and they started the season off by just rattling off like dominant victories. Yeah. Um, and you could say, yeah, they were fast courses. Yeah, they were racing teams that weren't as good as them. But at the end of the day, that made those guys like super confident in what to do when the gun goes off in a five k. We were super fit, I, and I and we figured it out. We raced our way to where we ended up uh, going Metro District State NXR. And we looked great at the end of the season, but there was something to be said, I think, for doing it the way those Coeur d'Alene guys did. And just if you want to win races, go win races, right? And just just practice uh, going to the front of a race and having the confidence. So that was that was a big one that I took away uh, this this season. Yeah, yeah, I think that idea of confidence is huge. I listened to an episode of the Running Effects Pod uh, with that guy Dominic, and I think. I think it was either Jojo Jordan or uh, Drew Griffith who was on the pod. And, and they talked all about how, like, they had all of these workouts and, you know, they went to all these meets and, you know, they were really successful. And I think they, they talked all about how, like, oh, yeah, that was a big confidence booster. And it literally they said that word like every like 30 seconds because I feel like they had a lot of that. And I think that that can be really huge because like we've alluded to earlier, like cross country is just as much mental as it is physical. Like if your head is not in the game, no matter how fit you are, you know, you're not going to perform uh, to your best ability. And I think that having those past good performances behind you really helps. So that's very interesting. Now, how do you, because obviously, you know, we talked all, all about like physiology and all that stuff, um, you know, preparing the team as a whole. But, you know, and I want to talk a little bit about that. Because, you know, there's guys like Nick and Deville on the team They they and like Jack. They run like, you know, 50 to 70, like Shane. But then there's the guy, you know, some freshmen who are like brand new on the team. Maybe they're just getting going, uh, walk, jogging. So how do you approach uh, understanding and like meeting the individual needs versus, you know, the needs of the team? Because that can be really challenging. If you... Let's say we were a uh, let's say we ran cross country the way we did basketball, right? So we would have we'd have a varsity squad, and then a separate team would be the JV squad, like that next group, and then a separate team would be like the C team, right? And so like, yeah. and you wouldn't run varsity basketball practice the same way you ran C team practice. Like the C team is a bunch of freshmen and sophomores; they're learning how to uh box guys out and rebound they're learning they're doing dribble drills they're, they're doing all sorts of fundamental stuff that you hope will get them ready to next year be on the jv squad by the time they're junior or senior be on varsity squad right mm -hmm. and so the only difference is i don't have three technically separate teams i like that because it lets all you guys be together 
feel like you're all part of it. I like that we don't delineate those next separate coaches and things like that. But really, like we we probably do have three separate groups of guys uh, in terms of what they're ready to do. Like a guy, a guy who has been training for three, three and a half years, like like Jack Hensky or Nick Davila, he's they're ready to do like you said, run fifty plus miles a week. That would break a freshman. Right. That that was oh, that, yeah. That's, yeah, that's just not something nearly any freshman is like physiologically ready to do. And and I think about so so my thing with like the true the true like walk jog group, like if you've never if you haven't been a big soccer player and you haven't run a ton before, your your body is not ready to to pound mileage. Uh and really what we do is more getting you like uh uh structurally ready get your bones strong enough your muscles strong enough to like actually go for a three mile run every day right like uh there's some guys that just as a freshman are not ready to do a 30 minute run and that's okay uh so so what what their practice looks like is walk jog core stuff like drills whatever that's gonna like that stuff is going to strengthen them and them doing their best at that is kind of like Nick going for a 60 minute run and making sure he's doing all the stuff. Right. So that, that's the cool part is it's like, yeah. everybody's got their job. Um, just what it looks like becomes different. And uh, you, I can point to guys on the team that like now as juniors, seniors, they were the kid walk jogging. So it is possible to like, to like get your body to the point where you can train quite a bit. Um uh, if you stick with it, so that, that, that's the cool part. That's why I like it. But, but to your point, it's like, um, through a lot of trial and error, you, you, you figure out what doesn't work, but right? I've, I've taken far too many freshmen who have gone three weeks in and been like, coach, I have shin splints and be like, well, we probably did too much. And then you got to back yeah. off. So yeah, you, you, you learn as you go. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think that, you know, patience is really key. I think, yeah. Looking at the long game, because, I think that you know, if you look at running as just something that you do for like, you know, next week or the next, like even just six months, like, you know, you're not going to be able to go and win a state title just by, you know, I'm going to start running and then six months later, you're going to become a state title or state champ. Like it doesn't work that way. So you kind of have to really take it slow uh, and really progress gradually. Now you talked about, you know, individual versus like, you know, how do we... I guess, tailor the training to the athlete and how do we keep that mindset fresh? How do we keep them like, um, so we can actually progress them. Right. I want to talk about like individual versus like team goals and how we, how can, how do you like maintain a positive atmosphere despite like all the circumstances, you know, like Jack Hensky, he might be in a sense of like elation because he goes to NXN, he finishes third at NXR, but the team, it's kind of bittersweet because, you know, they don't get to move on. You, you know, you guys don't get to move on to NXN. So how do you maintain that positive atmosphere? And um, yeah, I guess that's just the question. Yeah, I think um, if you look at some of, some of the like great, greatest teams, I mean, in high school, if you look at... Uh, uh, 2013 Gabe Harbour team. They won NXN. Uh, they won for a state one, one, two, three, yeah. four. So, like, if you look at those types, like, when you get that good, uh, I, 
you must have five great individuals, right? Like the guy who got third at state could very well one, right? Uh, on that on that individual day, right? So so you you kind of need to uh, you can't just say oh only the team matters and you as an individual don't matter because that's not true, right? Like mm-hmm. if you yeah. like to be great teams are composed of great individuals, and uh, so what what I think is the powerful part of the team is it's it's the the, the training atmosphere the the accountability and all that that gets the best out of everybody. Um, uh, and luckily, I, I don't think there's that many situations in cross country where you're forced to make a choice between you and the team. I think maybe on some teams that aren't as like uh, strong culture wise as us, where, where not all the guys are as committed, maybe somebody as an individual thinks, well, I need to go do a different workout. Um, but I just, I, I worked really hard to make it so that, um, I think everybody feels like their best, uh, their best performances will come if they do it within what we're doing, right? That, that, that if they do, uh, the stuff we've laid out, they're both going to help the team the most and going to, uh, be the best individual. Um, uh, but yeah, and, and I mean, like with, with, and great, there's a great, example you chose of nxr um uh, the best thing that jack can do is is get us his best individual points we have a little stick right how many how many guys started their scoring with a three that's hard to do that's that's why we raced so well right i'd be sure we wanted more but whatever right like that's a, that's a really hard meet um and i think it's funny i was talking to him before um and I, you know, he'd had a couple of days that were that were that were tough, like at um, at Furman and and uh, and hole in the wall, right? And so I kind of I kind of had said like, hey, like you know, let's just let's just make sure we get a team shot. You know, it's, it's okay, go for it. Uh, and he, he this is this is why Jack is great because he he knew he was not going to blow up that day. He knew he was going to go. Do what he needed to for the team, um, uh, and I, you know, he's a, he's a guy that, and I, I kind of do that too, right? But I, I just I had that conversation with him. Like when I saw him on race day, that dude was so dialed in. I knew there was there was one percent chance he was going. I didn't know if he was going to go to third, but but we, we were going to get his best that day. Uh, and he, uh, uh, I've had a few guys like that that, that you develop the trust that that. He, he, he actually he, he was in about 25th at the mile, so he did it by moving up. But, oh, wow. Um, yeah, like, like, so, but anyway, like, I think uh, the guys that have been successful in, in our program, they, they have figured out how to align team individual stuff, right? Like, they know what's at stake, so when they take a risk, they, they know what exactly that they're going to take up and they're going to play for every spot. Yeah, yeah, that all sounds like great. You know, I think overall, based off of this entire episode, you're just you seem to be able to have this way to just like just I guess unite the team together, but more importantly, like structure everything in a way that is not super, you know, intensive, like you know, every practice is not like, oh my gosh, I gotta go to practice. It seems like you 
done this great job of building a strong team culture while at the same time finding a lot of success. So, so that I think I'm really impressed by that. Now, you know, to end off this, you know, episode, where do you see this team? You know, I will be graduated, but where do you see this team in five years? You know, what are some of your goals and aspirations for Seattle Prep? That take us back to maybe just summer of uh, uh, it was it was going into the second year of coaching at Brad. Uh, first year we had uh, we had not qualified for state districts. Uh, the second year we were, the goal was to get to state, but I, I kind of felt that summer like like I was like, yeah, we want to go back to state, but there wasn't it wasn't quite the, the, the kind of uh, tight culture we had. Yeah, it was building, and credit to those guys. They were doing a good job of it. But I, so I did this weird thing at our, at our like, goal session. I was like, all right, like, I know we want to get to state, but we want a little more than that. What do you want, like, a freshman walking into this program in the fall of 2023? And because that was, at that time, that was like, even a freshman in that room would have graduated, right? So it's kind of, it's kind of like your question. And the, and every single guy was like, oh, we, we got to be safe. Right? Like, like fall 2023, we better be safe. I was like, okay, that's a great goal. Um, and I don't, you know, who knows how much that affects um, every culture decision. But but I, I hope that, I mean, I think it got those guys thinking a little more about the future, like uh, that, that they're handing the baton even if they don't get stand on that podium, um, we did it a year early, then we did it again. You know what I mean? Like it's like it, it, it's it's cool that they started thinking that way. Like we still follow my age. Still follow the same guy. Always the last two years of state was like the coolest thing to me. Like my phone blew up the text for all these guys. I know it's crap. I hardly talk to anyone. You guys got a dub. It's so cool, right? So, like, I think those guys are much as part of it as, as you or me or, or anybody that actually supports the team, right? So, anyway, so, so long story short, what, what do we see this thing doing in five years? I mean, I, I think if we got all you guys together. I, I think everybody would say we got to get to NXM. That's the next mountain climb. Um, but I just like, I, I, I really want to put specifics on. I just want to keep this thing going, man. Like, we are a team that people have to talk about when they're talking about, you know, ranking the top 30 teams in the country. I mean, we want to get to where you look at, like, Eric Fork and Caribbean uh, uh, and, and uh, Nightwatch and all these, like, great, great national power teams that are, like, in the mix every year. I mean, I think there's there are mountains to climb still. So, um I, uh, it'd, be fun to, it'd be fun to ask everybody where, where, where we see this in five years. Yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to put any specific stuff on it, but I just keep growing, man. Keep climbing. There's there's plenty of mountains. You get to the you get to stand on that podium. That's the top of one mountain, and all it does is make the next one uh, uh, come into focus that much more, right? Um, and that's the cool part about our sport. You never done. Right? There's always more mountains to climb. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that applies to a lot of things in life, too. Like, you never, you know, you've never arrived in any, like, you've never arrived in life, whether that's anything, you know, that could be school, that could be, like, 
profession like you should always be striving for more so i think that's really key now and this one this this will be the last question but um this is what i'm kind of curious about do you i've you know i've looked at like sean brosnan and all those guys so do you ever plan on if you get really successful coaching collegiately one day if possible You have to go about doing it. Is you don't really get to choose where you go. Right? Yeah, it'd be great if Seattle Pacific had a job open up for. I mean, I'm not looking at double tire. So one of the smaller ones, maybe you know that. You know, I've got roots down in Seattle right now. I think uh, it's it's just hard to. Uh, it, it's just hard to choose where you go. You kind of got to go to the school, get that unpaid internship somewhere, and just just climb the ladder. He started by just like literally taking uh coaching center first semester he coached for just working on the side and just That's great, Coach. That's great. Yeah. Well, it's been it's been nice having you on the pod. Thank you for your time. This is very monumental for this podcast. The first real guest I've had. So, yeah, um, I'll see you when I see you. But yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, it's been here and great Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to episode 60 of the Sunday Shakeout. I hope this episode was something new for you guys. Uh, I'm really excited that Coach Walker got on the pod. Again, thank you so much to him and everybody who supports this podcast. I hope that you know you took some valuable insights away from this show, You know whether you are a high school cross-country coach um, or just you know a runner wanting to apply some of these principles to your own training if you coach yourself. And I think that Coach Walker was kind of a life coach as well on this podcast. So maybe you can take away, you know, in what ways running really does help your life. And, you know, because running is much more than just the miles. It's much more than just, oh, did I PR in my marathon or my 5K or, you know, whatever it is. It's much more than that. It's much more than the performance. It's about, it's about how it impacts your life. And so that's all really huge. If you enjoyed this episode of the Sunday Shakeout, please consider following or subscribing to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I'd also greatly appreciate a review in Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you also find your pod, wherever else you find your podcasts. Um, I hope you all really enjoy the rest of your weekend and uh, peace out. This is the Sunday Shakeout. <laughs>